This is the Blaze Radio On Demand. Hey, it's Glenn, and I want to remind you, peace of mind is tough to come by these days unless you have a Liberty Safe. With a Liberty Safe, you won't worry when you leave the house because you'll know your valuables are protected. And right now, you can get free delivery to your home on any Liberty Safe. Go to LibertySafe.com for factory direct pricing. LibertySafe.com, made in the USA, lifetime warranty, and peace of mind. LibertySafe.com. B-E-C-K. It's Pat and Stu. Uh, Jeffy was just telling me kind of an interesting... I haven't heard Marcus say this, but he claims that uh, a friend of ours, uh, Marcus Luttrell... Is this supposed to be a secret, or did he no, say it? No, it's fine. Was that, was he some said it publicly, Fox, right? I okay. I gotta find it. All right. Uh, apparently, Marcus Luttrell just said on Fox, send in 300 guys to take care of ISIS? Send in 300 of, of our guys. Uh, you know, I guess if we send in 300 of him... Yeah, 300 Navy SEALs. He's probably talking about Special Forces, right? Navy Um, SEALs, Delta Force. He's probably talking Navy SEALs. Keep your hands on tide, let them go. Really? Yeah. His thing is 300 Special (laughs) Ops Forces could kill 50,000 ISIS troops. Or maybe he only killed the first 25,000, the other 25,000 quit. (laughs) You can see that as being a possibility. Uh, I will say that, you know. I I would love... I don't doubt it, I know. frankly. I mean, that's a lot. That's yeah. a lot to ask. And, of course, it also includes an impossible modifier, which is we would let them do their jobs. Right. We will never let them do their jobs, right. which is, you know, we're constantly tying the hands Think of the military. Think of that, though. If, if that's true, and, you know, and our military leaders know whether that's true or not, right, don't you think? I mean, we, they know if our guys are special enough to be able to uh, take care of a force that large with that small a number, um, and they don't do it, it's unbelievably irresponsible. Because we could fix this problem. Go kill them. Yeah, I mean, do I, it. You know, I'm sure. I, I mean, I, I'd be for that. About this, but he, uh, I'd be for that. He, you know, may have been, he's certainly making a valid point, which mm-hmm. is if you did this, let the guys do what they're supposed to do, Send in a small amount of troops, they could really do some damage. I don't know if he mm-hmm. means necessarily they could go and kill 50,000 people. Um, but, you know, he, there's an obvious uh, connection there that he, they could take out the important people, important targets, uh, clearly. Um, I think the issue there, of course, is, you know, you send 300 guys into a, a, a crowd of uh, 50,000 troops, and along with that, a lot of friendly people on the ground as well. Mm-hmm. It's not just the troops that matter. Um, you know, you're going to wind up probably at some point someone's going to get caught. And we've seen what's been happening here with, with right. the people who do get caught. And, you know, I, I, you know that would, it's already tough enough to take well, when they're Egyptian Coptic Christians. I mean, this starts mm-hmm. happening to our soldiers. I mean, I don't even know. And that's his disclaimer, too. I, yeah. I just brought up the best thing you could do is jerk the chains off those guys and let them go to work. Yep. Yeah, well, it's true. I mean, you know, he's... He, it's true. If, if we were a country that had the stomach for it, A, and, and B, the, the political wherewithal to say, you know what, go in there and do what you have to do, and, and we'll see you in a couple months. you gotta, you got to love those guys. you got to love Mark. With love 300 Marcus. Marines, you could probably take over Iraq if you wanted to and get rid of ISIS completely. I love them. Make no mistake, Marines are fighters. 
I mean, they're really good at what they do. The only time uh, they're not mm -hmm. good at what they do is when someone puts the shackles on them. Yep. So he's not even talking special forces. He's talking Marines. <laughs> he's saying the Marines could do it. He's Just not talking about SEALs. Turn them loose. Just turn them loose. Let them do their... Get uh, you got to look. Marcus is a special breed. <laughs> yeah, All yeah, those guys are. Oh All God. the guys in special forces, Marines, the Army, the Navy, our military, they're special people. They really are, and uh, it's. I love that attitude, and it just it's inspiring. And then you realize who's in Washington, right. and you realize it's never going to happen, and it just crushes your will to live. <laughs> <laughs> the good thing, though, is that Washington is there to protect us. We uh, that yes. we know uh, they're always there to help us. And they and have to watch us. us so that they oh, know they, what they're protecting. They have to be you able know? to see what's going on, like Jeffy. A lot of the people that uh, have accused you of, of uh, peeping in certain ways, you were probably just trying to protect them, right? Well, first of all, you could accuse anybody of anything. Right, that's true. Okay? Mm -hmm. You could be accused of anything. Mm -hmm. So there's just a first of all in that one. Uh, there wasn't a no follow-up. There was no second. So why was it first of all uh -huh. and then nothing else? I'm just saying you could be accused of anything. Okay, okay. all right, that, that's right. fair. So that's all. That's his only point. Uh, last right. uh, last night was the uh, the root uh, Big Brother, the rise of Big Brother, um, which aired on this particular network, mm -hmm. um, and it's a great. These this is a great series they put together. I think there's been, I think there's technically been two of them so far, but I think there was another one that they kind of put into that category of the root, which was looking back at the Israeli-Palestinian um, fight from the beginning. Um, but the root is great. Uh, it's a great series because. It does what you'd expect out of something called the root. It looks at the root of the issue. Where did it start? What was the history? What do the people involved in it think about the other side? Why do we do these things that seem at this point inexplicable? Uh, last night, talking about the, the surveillance state that has really grown, um, you know, and has been in the in, in, uh, news recently, but it's, it goes back way beyond that. Um, last night, they looked at a, a lot of the stuff, and we should talk about this a little bit afterwards as well. Because it really, it kind of crystallized something in my head watching it last night. A, a, a big change that I've had, I think, in my worldview has gone on in the last 10 years or so. So uh, watch this. This is from, this is the one we're going to talk about. We, we played a little bit of audio um, on the radio from it of the internment camp video that you have to see. Because it, it's Club Med, essentially, uh, in this uh, particular newsreel. I mean, I wanted to get a place there. I was I looking, know. where can I sign up to get into this well, Japanese internment I camp? I was thinking that uh, Glenn was talking about, uh, his grandpa talking about the family. Yeah. Mm -hmm. uh, of, uh, had a farm in his uh, farming neighborhood, mm -hmm. and they just up and gone and never they came vanished. back. They vanished. came back. But uh, that's because they were so happy in the horse stall, they were placed <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, so uh, watch this. This is, uh, again, and this spy week continues uh, this week um, with uh, For the Record tonight. We'll give you a little detail on that coming up as well. But this is from The Root, The Birth of Big Brother. December 7th, 1941. A date which will live in infamy. The United States of America was suddenly and deliberately attacked by naval and air forces of the Empire of Japan. December 7th, 1941 has lived in infamy. But November 1941 has long been forgotten in the days leading up to the attacks. 
Isolated Japanese hostilities raised enough eyebrows to have military brass wanting more access to Japanese messages. RCA's lines handled most of the communication at that time, and RCA President David Sarnoff happened to be in Hawaii. So naval intelligence scrambled to arrange a meeting. They had a favor to ask. Yes, they knew it was illegal, but they didn't care. They needed, they wanted to listen in. Sarnoff knew it was illegal as well. Whether he wrestled with a request or not, nobody knows. But just like Yardley's Black Chamber, RCA decided, let's play ball. I, th I think that uh, public trust with the government was completely different back then. I think that, you know, in general, you, know, you just you trusted the government to protect you. I mean, they had already protected us during World War I. You know, why wouldn't they do it now? Once again, U.S. citizens were being spied on, and the Fourth Amendment was thrown out the window. When war broke out just weeks later, Sarnoff pledged the entire resources of his vast communications empire to FDR. Ten months into the war, he opened up a multi-million dollar facility in New Jersey devoted to making communications equipment for the military. And Sarnoff himself was promoted to Brigadier General. 1941, a fateful year, war and the beginning of a four-year blackout for commercial TV. And television enlisted for the duration. Research went forward at war tempo. At RCA's David Sarnoff Research Center, Princeton, New Jersey, 24-hour shifts explored every corner of the new world of electronics. RCA electronics scientists and engineers made important contributions to the development of radar, sonar for submarine detection, the sniper scope that made it possible to see a target in darkness. Thus, the progress of perhaps a peacetime decade was compressed into four short years. After the war, RCA would corner the television market and become the foundation for today's mass media. They created both NBC and ABC. The pattern is clear. When communication companies are approached by government, they obey. In 1919, Western Union and other giants ignored the Fourth Amendment. In 1941, RCA ignored the Fourth Amendment. And the same is true today. The NSA gets reams of information from companies like AT&T, Google, Facebook, Microsoft, and Yahoo. These companies were simply continuing an illegal tradition that began after World War I. It was improved during World War II and now has been perfected with mass data collection and PRISM. The only difference today is the NSA openly argues for the right to spy on you. The Fourth Amendment says that you know Americans have a right to be secure in their uh, their uh, homes and their papers and effects. Uh, the courts have interpreted this to mean that a warrant signed by a neutral magistrate must uh, specify with particularity the places and persons to be searched, uh, and and this is that's. That's how America has worked for the last uh, 200 years. The Fourth Amendment is in many ways a dead letter now. It no longer really protects us from much of anything. It's amazing to see the differences written into law, by the way, between the way phones and phone tapping uh, were treated versus how the Internet is treated. The NSA's data collection has flipped that paradigm on its head. Instead of specifying specific persons or places to be searched, we see an order from the FISA court saying the NSA gets to see everything. 
uh, and they can use computer algorithms and they can uh, use complex search techniques, but they get the whole haystack in order to find the needle. Not only do you have essentially the archiving of literally everything that every person ever does on the internet, uh, you also have the government always insisting on access to that, easy access to it, not having to go through the court processes. And they generally do this under the pretense that it's to protect us from only the worst criminals and from terrorists. Now, the reality is that a vast majority of the American people, of course, aren't doing anything that is illegal, but they also don't want the government to have a complete open window into everything they've ever thought, said, or done. And that's where we are right now. Everything is archived, it's retrievable, the government can go through it, and you are essentially at their mercy when it comes to your privacy. Uh, the NSA no longer has to get a specific warrant to look for a specific person or a specific thing. They can get a warrant for everything all the time. So what does that mean for us in the future? Remember, we're living in a time when an undetectable computer virus can cause centrifuges to explode. Yet most people shrug off concerns of being spied on. Well, so what if they're watching me? I have nothing to hide, they say. As history shows, the government has done far more damage with far less technology. 1940, William Friedman's team of cryptologists were working around the clock to crack Japan's newest code. It was called Purple. It was encrypted using a version of Germany's famed Enigma cipher, the Enigma machine. This is part of the German Enigma cipher. We only had one sheet machine, and the Brits were working to crack this Enigma. To help them, they had the one stolen machine and the help of the Polish, who had nearly solved the riddle already. But Friedman, he was flying blind. Imagine trying to solve a riddle without the riddle, against all odds, right? He was working on theory alone. Well, he reverse-engineered a purple cipher machine without ever having seen one in person, and they broke the code. He and his magic team were thrilled. They now had everything they needed. Little did they know their code would not only be used to fight for freedom, unfortunately, it was used to fight against it as well, right here on the home front. January 30th, 1941. A message from Tokyo to the Japanese embassy was intercepted. It was logged as magic message number 44. It appeared to order the activation of Japanese intelligence assets already in the States covertly. One word in the message leapt off the page. Second generations. Japanese born in Japan but living abroad were considered first generation. Their children, second generation. In the event of hostilities, the Japanese fully expected complete loyalty to the emperor. They had no idea that the second generation didn't have loyalty to the emperor. The director of naval intelligence, however, feared a massive intel gathering operation was underway and kicked it all the way up to the president. The messages kept flooding in. Japanese intel programs were now feared in California and in Seattle. They appeared to be growing in ranks with more funding apparently on the horizon. The picture being painted was that regular Japanese citizens were creating a massive covert intelligence dragnet all the way up and down the West Coast. And in some instances, they were actually caught spying, just adding more fuel to the fire. 
That was the case of a spy whose name was intercepted while ordering one of his bribe payoffs. Message 36. He was to be paid $25,000 to provide false testimony in a court case involving another spy. He also happened to be the personal confidant, assistant, and chauffeur to one of the most famous people in the world, Charlie Chaplin. By late November, the paranoia had reached a boiling point. December 4th, 1941, the FBI drafted this letter requesting custodial detention of Japanese, German, and Italian aliens in case of war. Three days later, the war broke out. February 19, 1942, FDR issued Executive Order 9066, which authorized the forced relocation and incarceration of 120,000 Japanese Americans. Based all on a few vaguely worded intercepts that most often proved absolutely nothing. An entire race of law-abiding American women, men, and children rounded up and tossed into internment camps. Neither the Army nor the War Relocation Authority relished the idea of taking men, women, and children from their homes, their shops, and their farms. So the military and civilian agencies alike determined to do the job as a democracy should, with real consideration for the people involved. Japanese fishermen had every opportunity to watch the movement of our ships. Japanese farmers were living close to vital aircraft plants. So as a first step, all Japanese were required to move from critical areas such as these. All persons of Japanese descent were required to register. They gathered in their own churches and schools, and the Japanese themselves cheerfully handled the enormous paperwork involved in the migration. The army provided fleets of vans to transport household belongings, and buses to move the people to assembly centers. The evacuees cooperated wholeheartedly. The many loyal among them felt that this was a sacrifice they could make in behalf of America's war effort. The army provided housing and plenty of healthful, nourishing food for all. The residents of the new community set about developing a way of life as nearly normal as possible. They held church services, Protestant, Catholic, and Buddhist. They issued their own newspaper, organized nursery schools, and some made camouflage nets for the United States Army. At each relocation center, Evacuees were met by an advanced contingent of Japanese who had arrived some days earlier and who now acted as guides. Naturally, the newcomers looked about with some curiosity. They were in a new area, on land that was raw, untamed, but full of opportunity. We are setting a standard for the rest of the world in the treatment of people who may have loyalties to an enemy nation. We are protecting ourselves without violating the principles of Christian decency. And we won't change this fundamental decency no matter what our enemies do. But of course, we hope most earnestly that our example will influence the Axis powers in their treatment of Americans who fall into their hands. Many of those very people had family fighting in the American military. This stain on America's record happened only with a fraction of the technological capabilities that we have today. With every phone call, every text, email, Google search being monitored and collected already, imagine what damage could be done in the name of the next crisis or the time of the next war. Perhaps it's enough to make those who say, I have nothing to hide, think twice.
perhaps. Man, that's uh, there's a lot of good stuff in there. And I think the best thing, though, is how happy the Japanese yes. were at they being interned. Oh, my gosh, they loved it. You wouldn't think they'd be that happy. No, but they were. They loved it. They loved it. They loved having their homes and belongings taken from them. Look at the opportunity here in this vast wasteland of Wyoming, <laughs> out in the middle of nowhere. They, why, they could do almost anything. They could sit there, or they could walk around. Then they could go back and sit down again. <laughs> what are they supposed to be loaded with opportunity? I know. I mean, uh, it they does. made camouflage nets <laughs> they did. for our military, okay? They did do that. There's that. There's uh, that. By the way, can we, again, and I know I'm always obsessed with this point, but uh, this is our best president. Our best. Right. Right. Number one, number best one, president baby. of all time, according to progressives. Number the one. The guy who did that. He's number one. He's, He's number, number one. one. That's what they said, too, only with a different finger. <laughs> <laughs> Look, he's mistaken. <laughs> All right, triple eight seven two seven back. Welcome to Spy Week, right here on uh, The Blaze. Tonight, uh, for the record, we'll be uh, on, and I think there's another thing going on uh, later this week. There's a whole week of uh, stuff that's really cool on this, uh, including last night's special. You can always get on demand at theblaze.com slash TV. And as I was watching this thing, we just played this long clip from, uh, from yesterday, I was realizing um, how much I've changed on this particular issue. One of the things they focused on was this room in the AT&T building what was it, room 641A? And in the room, basically, every piece of data that went through the AT&T network uh, was split. And part of it went to AT&T as it should, and then it just split off into another room, this room 641A or whatever it was. And then they could look at all of it. The government could look at all of it. And it was part of uh, Bush's attempt to uh, slow down terrorism uh, and monitor terrorism. And I remember this report being a big liberal hit at the time. Uh, Keith, I can specifically remember, uh, I don't know if he's in the Douche Hall of Fame, uh, Keith Olbermann. Is Olbermann in there? I mean, he, he would be in there, but there's a relevance clause. I think relevance totally clause. Yeah, yeah, there's a relevance clause in the mm -hmm. Douche Hall of Fame. Um, and, you know, he, I just remember him going on and on about it with those ridiculous dramatic monologues and pausing for eight seconds in between the words and looking like he was a, trying to do a Shakespeare play. And, and I just remember thinking, this guy is such a douche. Like, we have a real problem with Islamic extremism. We need to look at this stuff. You know, you know, get over it, was essentially my opinion. I really have come a long way. I hate to say that. It's kind of embarrassing because, I mean, part of it was just um, Keith Olbermann being a douche. Uh, so Yeah, because there's no way around that. That's true he, still to he, say. He is uh, what he is. I think. However, I, I mean, I, you know, I definitely have come a long way t towards that position. Now, I would assume he's probably gone the opposite way and now loves the uh, surveillance. But I could be wrong on that. I don't know. He doesn't talk about it anymore mm. now that he has a sports show. Um, but uh, this is a good lesson and uh, probably something to learn about how to present an idea. Because in reality, as a guy who's a small government guy, I, sh I do and should have probably had some uh, openness to seeing the government overreaching. Um, mm -hmm. And at the time, 
you know, while I was concerned about the Patriot Act, I wanted to make sure there was sense, uh, uh, sunsets. And, and, you know, I, I still think there are elements of it that are completely legitimate. Um, but I, I ignored it because it was from Keith Olbermann. He was so douchey about it and such a, such a, you know, just a jerk all the time that I just I couldn't accept any information from him. And it's probably something for us to learn. When you get on Twitter and you get on Facebook, if you come out and you're as douchey as possible, which I do uh, mm-hmm. quite often, and uh, mm-hmm. Jeffy, you're a complete douche. Um, you know, uh, <laughs> I've just done Twitter. It's probably not the way to win people no. over. This is something Glenn has talked about for a while. I mean, in theory, Keith Olbermann should have been able to win me over to that point. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he could not because he was a complete douche. And, of course, that's also you know, my fault because I should be able to look past that. Uh, but it's something to learn for conservatives, I think. And that, out of all the issues that I've, I've probably moved on over the years, that one I've really come a long way. Because at that point, I was like, what are you talking about? Like, we just had all these, you know, 9-11, you yeah. know, buildings came down. We need to make sure we understand. Yeah. And I just didn't, I don't know, I didn't have that constitutional perspective at the time. I had a perspective of uh, emotion, I guess. And, and this is why you don't act on emotion. This yeah. is why when, you know, we're doing this thing with ISIS now. Right now, I just want to go in there and I want to send Marcus Luttrell and 300 of his friends to kill everybody there. And I might still do that uh, as far as uh, ISIS goes. Um, But, you know, you want to make sure you hold back and not let emotions make those decisions for you. That's Uh, how liberals make decisions. Yeah. A lot of times. Yeah, definitely. What is uh, what are your feelings currently on fondling another man's wife? What are they Look, You know, I could be talked out of it. You could. Uh, I think right now. If Keith Olbermann is saying you shouldn't do it, you'd, you'd be for yeah, it? Oh, I would be for it. Okay. If Keith Olbermann said All I right. should not fondle someone else's <laughs> wife, I would be for it. Well, we're going we're gonna to take a look at the uh, vice president in just a second. We've we got to show you because we talked about it on radio, but you really haven't done it justice unless you actually show what happened, which we will do coming mm. up on Pat and Stu next. Oh, I can't wait. Yeah, it's going to be fun. Uh, Joe Biden. Being Joe. <laughs> it's just Joe. He does that to other men's wives. happens to be a little bit of a fondler. <laughs> he's, he's creep-tastic. That's just Joe. Is it creepy? Yeah, but that's Joe. He's creepy. Welcome. Well, there we are. Welcome back. Triple A seven twenty seven back. Uh, so Biden's putting his hands on people, and uh, you know we were going down this road of saying it's creepy, and you know what? It's not creepy. It's not. Okay. Here's the thing: if we keep bashing Joe Biden, he's not going to run for president. I want him to run for president at all costs. Yeah. So my p- current position on this mm-hmm. particular incident that we're about to show you he's is that it was somebody. it was lovely. It was a tender, uh, warm gesture. That's all it was. Compassionate. So he threw her down and, and made tender love to uh, another man's wife in front of him. Well, behind him. Uh, yeah, it was right behind him. Yeah, yeah, you didn't have to look oh at gosh. it, right? Such an exaggeration. <laughs> not much of exaggeration. Just, it's not much of one. You know what? I'm with you, Jeffy. He, he Jeffy. just touches her shoulder. He's compassionate. I'm with Let's Jeffy. make sure she's okay. Yeah, look. Oh, she threw him mm-hmm. down. Stop it. Mm-hmm. Look, he, he, was, he was helping her. Apparently, she fell uh, on the ice. This is Mediaite's excuse. This is pathetic. Go ahead. Read, read this excuse. This is amazing. There's actually a reason for Biden to hold her shoulders. According uh-huh. to reports, Carter, uh, the woman, slipped right. and fell on the ice outside the Pentagon, and Biden was probably making sure 
she was okay. Okay, I, so was it icy still inside the Pentagon? Well, too? Was she it had, a, it was she had floor trauma, uh -huh. and he was trying okay. to soothe her trauma. Is that right? Yes. Don't you Is remember right? how you used to get all shook up and you couldn't barely walk no. after you'd fall on ice from the mean streets? I don't. Mm -mm. Let's watch I this don't. video and see how Let's creepy watch. You it tell is. Me. I don't think it's creepy at all. Here's Joe <laughs> Biden and his hands on women. Well, thank you, Mr. Vice President. I think you know how much it means to me to have you wear me today. Oh, look at that. He just steps over to it. Mm -hmm. For me, this is the highest honor to be She's like, get off me. Secretary of Defense. That's that is I'm unreal. To president and the Vice president. Has he already leaned in and, and uh, put his tongue in her ear? And Has to the U.S. Senate as well That's for their on. trust and confidence. Oh, here we go. I've got a lot of thanks to give out here. <laughs> First and foremost, to my perfect wife, Oh, he backed up when he... See, he's yep. get him off. My daughter, Ava. That's fantastic. On he had to get his hands out of the way before... Believable. Uh, the husband put his hands there. He had okay, to, the like, husband it, saved her. Yeah, I, maybe. I, I will say that if Joe, yeah. if Joe had left his hands where they were, he would have just touched hands with the guy. Right. Because they were both in that place where apparently you touch your loved one. You know the yeah. And I will say, look, that was a clear, clear incident of, I believe... Him consoling this woman after her fall in the ice. <laughs> that is really something. Mm -hmm. I mean, how does this guy stay in office? All the things he has said, all the things he has done. We have the creepiness of, uh, of him. Uh, we, we have a whole gaff montage that's coming up. <laughs> but uh, first, let's show you something else from yesterday. This is kind of amazing, too. <laughs> He's talking about Somali. Cab drivers, this is a lot of fun. Uh, more races. Smallies are made, my city of Wilmington, Delaware, on a smaller scale. Mm -hmm. It's a large, mo very identifiable right. Somali community. Yeah. I might add, if you ever come to the train station with me, you'll notice that uh, I have great relations with them because there's an awful lot of driving cabs uh, <laughs> and, uh, and are friends of mine, for real. I'm not, I'm not being solicitous. I'm for being real? Serious. He's not being solicitous. solicitous. It's for real. There's a lot of that Somali cab drivers. Unbelievable. In fact, almost all Somalis drive cabs. No, I don't think that's in what, this country. No, no. And and you know what else is really cool is the Indians who do convenience store uh, clerkage. I haven't heard. Yeah, they do clerkage there. In fact, you can't walk into a convenience store in Delaware, Seven Eleven, or whatever. <laughs> Without an Indian accent. That's how many Indians are doing uh, store clerking. Really? Do yeah. we happen to have that clip? Uh, this is back from 2006 yeah, at a fundraiser. Event. Check that out. In Delaware, the largest growth in population is Indian Americans moving from India. You cannot go to a 7-Eleven or a Dunkin' Donuts unless you have a slight Indian accent. To fully, am I, I'm not joking. I love it. Every time he does one of these dumbass things, yeah. he's not joking. I'm right, not joking. I'm telling you the truth here. These are all no. Indians here. He kind of realizes that he said something inappropriate. <laughs> And then he thinks, well, I, c I shouldn't be joking about that. So then he tries to retroactively turn it into a serious statement where he says, I actually do have a lot of Somali cab driving friends. Which makes I, it even worse. Which, which makes it worse because then he's just saying, oh, well, they're all cab driving. It's mm -hmm. just, it, I mean, he just needs to shut up, which is why they keep him in the basement about two-thirds of the year. Yeah. Uh, he just gets, he just, he's just chained in the White House in the basement. They don't let him out. Like, like with the guy in Goonies. You know, he just kind of like just lives down there, and occasionally someone feeds him a baby Ruth. 
It's kind of what happens. <laughs> and here he is last year uh, slurring his words um, about uh, while he pitching Obamacare. It's affordable. You can get subsidies to do it. <laughs> your interest. And if you don't even want to do it for yourself, <laughs> do it for your parents. You can get subsidies to do it. Subsidies to do it. You can get subsidies to do it. You subsidies to do it. Where's the one uh, he had the motorcycle chick yeah, on his lap, yeah. right? Uh, Remember we, that one? Can we watch that clip one more time? Where is his hand during this clip? Is uh, it on her leg or her arm? Uh, it's what? on her wrist. It is on her wrist? Yeah, he's holding her arm down. Let's okay, watch. so it's not on her thigh. Holding her arm Yeah, he's down. holding. Yeah. <laughs> 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 Again, he's just, I, look, yeah, part of that is that touchy feeling. And there are people who are like that. Mm -hmm. you know, you're just kind of like, you're in people's personal space. And maybe that's kind of an, an old-timey thing a little bit. You know, that's how the, the guy who worked the room used to be. Yep. You know, he'd walk around, and he'd shake mm -hmm. everybody's hand. He'd put his arm on people. I mean, Jeffy, you're like this. You're constantly groping people around here, and it's, it's uncomfortable nowadays. But Jeffy grew up in the 1800s, so mm -hmm. it was a different, there were different customs. It's a different time. Nobody ever says anything. Different century. No, they say things. centuries ago. What? Believe me, I have the HR calls. So, so they do. They do say things quite a bit. Are you just joking? Very often. And he's not joking. He's not joking. I'm not joking. Either. I'm not, not joking. joking. People do call HR on you all the time. He's not I'm being not joking. solicitous I'm here. not being he's... solicitous. People no. do constantly accuse you of horrible things. I'm not, I'm not joking here. And then he talks about what a bitch it is to be vice president oh, no. of the United oh, States, no. which is kind of fun as well. Vice President Biden. My name is Sita Gofard. I'm a senior at the college, um, and I'm the vice president of the student body here. Mm -hmm. a bitch. I mean, that is a Excuse me. Joking. <laughs> no, it was a joke. Uh -huh. All right. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Really uncomfortable moment <laughs> where he's telling us how he really feels. How do we get him out of this one? <laughs> That's what everybody in the, in the audience is thinking. Here's a uh, little montage of uh, some of his better moments. Hi, Caroline O'Neill. I'm Gene Finnegan's son. Get over here. Get over here. I knew this would happen. Yeah, I bet you did. I may be Irish, but I'm not stupid. Okay. You're just creepy. Lindsay's right there with him almost, man. I like kids better than people. Okay. What? That's a funny line. Okay, hope you have a big fence around the house to keep out predators like you, Joe. Thank you. And here we go. I like this one. <laughs> Look at her. <laughs> 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 oh, man. Nice to she see you guys. is even see more creeped out by him than yeah. we are. Oh, okay. yeah. By a lot. By a lot. Pull it away as he's trying to kiss her. See you back oh. home, I hope. Oh, man. Is that what he, that's yeah. the last line. I'll see you back home, I hope. All, all of this is oh, overblown. Oh, my gosh. Joe Biden's an American hero. And should run for president of the United States immediately. I cannot recommend anything higher than Joe yeah. Biden running yeah. a highly 
-hmm. funded and visible campaign for president of the United States. Um, I think, honestly, the way to win votes in today's society is to grope people. That's what I would do. I would do it more often. Mm -hmm. Uh, And I would say, uh, you know, you come out and and potentially say really inappropriate things more often as well. We'll we'll help cover your campaign every day. Every day we will devote an entire segment to what Joe Biden did that day. Talk about what a storybook it is to find a clean, articulate, good-looking African-American. Wow, uh, what a storybook. Talk about it. That is a storybook, It's like uh, the Lord of the Rings, uh, the never-ending story. Believe it, a clean African-American? Who knew it was possible? Uh, Nobody. Uh, God, he is awful. Oh, he's so bad. Oh, by the way, him, Harry Reid says the same thing. Yeah, and he's, virtually. He, so the, the Democrat, the party of racial equality, right. is the one that keeps just, just no, don't worry about it. They just keep hiring all the people who make really inappropriate comments. Seriously, if Republicans had said the things that both Reid and Biden have said, uh, they'd be in prison. These guys instead are in uh, some of the highest uh, offices of government. Uh, a Republican? Not just lose his job. I think he'd be prosecuted and be in prison right now. He'd be in a cell right next to Jeffy's. So, uh, I mean, that's that's the world we live in. Triple eight seven two seven. Back more. Pat and Stu is uh, coming up, including a preview on for the record tonight. Ooh, my latest case is not finished yet. <laughs> accusations, accusations, Thank accusations. You. Jeez. Triple eight seven two seven Beck. It is a spy week, as we've mentioned a few times today, and uh, in celebration. And we are celebrating it because we love spying. We love the government peeking in on us from time to time. It's hard to know what sort of decisions you should make uh, unless the government is there That's to right. watch what you're doing and help you make them. That's right. How, how else are you going to decide things? On your you own? Can't. <laughs> <laughs> no. No. <laughs> no. No. So, uh, so for the record tonight, looks at it, and I'm, I'm sure they're in love with the spying situation, right? Oh, I think so, probably. Here's yeah. a little preview of uh, what we we're going to see tonight. In February of 1996, we asked the Saudis for very basic information about Osama bin Laden, his birth certificate, his medical records, his financial records. When I resigned in November 2004, we still hadn't received that material. I'm very sad to say this, but the American intelligence bureaucracy ranges from stupid to naive, and it's basically a scam. Robert Steele had a prolific career in the CIA. Working mostly in Central and South America during the 1980s, he is considered an expert on human intelligence gathering. Steele is outspoken and, at times, controversial, even accused of embracing conspiracy theories. But, like Fairchild and Farrell, he worked in the field. His job was to develop sources. He says today the U.S. depends too much on other nations. One of the reasons we failed in Afghanistan is because we took the bulk of our intelligence from Pakistan. And as your listeners might imagine, governments tend to lie to each other a lot. So basically, the reports, the analysis that's coming from the ground, from the guys collecting the information, if we have any out there, the very few that we have, when it reaches CIA headquarters. No, you're not understanding. We don't have guys in the field. 
We don't have people across the Middle East. We don't have penetrations of ISIS, for example. So okay? we have chief of stations, but no real We have chiefs of stations who are receiving information from foreign liaison and turning it in where it's being treated as clandestine collection. I mean, just to tell you how seriously flawed CIA is today, they're training CIA case officers now to go around with bodyguards. There is nothing more ridiculous in Afghanistan than seeing a case officer with two black SUVs surrounded by guys with ink. So the agency has gone from this premier national strategic intelligence organization to a very narrowly focused paramilitary counterterrorism organization now, which I think is, uh, is sad because the agency was, only, was the only organization really created to be the nation's premier strategic intelligence organization. And without them performing that mission, there is nobody else who has that charter. Wow. Yeah, but other than that... What's wrong with the CIA? Seems fine. I, I think uh, if, that, if all that's true, that's pretty frightening. Oh, yeah. And for pretty the record, uh, they do diligent homework. Uh, they're not just putting stuff together. I mean, you know, these guys work months and months and months uh, to put just one episode of the show together. So it's something you really need to watch. It's on tonight. And this is the sort of thing that I think we've begged for as conservatives over a long period of time. Uh, some real journalistic muscle uh, behind <laughs> something that you care about. Instead of, well, did Mitt Romney cut somebody's hair? I don't. Did Scott Walker did. leave because of that whole election of the he president did. of the of yes. his class? Yes. Why did he leave two weeks early to take a job at the Red Cross? Communism? Yes. Red Cross? No, because no, that wouldn't be a problem. But the communism. Oh, yeah. Sorry. Would, would not be a problem. That's true. So, <laughs> uh, so yeah, that's tonight's season premiere. Uh, tonight, 8 p.m. Eastern, only here on The Blaze on Spy Week. What time is it central? Uh, 7 p.m. central. Then what about if I live in the mountain time zone? That would be 6 p.m. mountain. Okay, if I'm on the coast, you've just forgotten about me? I, no, I, I have used to just ask. guess five, when it's on. 5, five p.m. 5 o'clock. Here's the thing about this, uh, which is magical, with this technology. And they mm -hmm. describe a lot of the tech technology last night on the show. Right. And then on For the Record uh, tonight, uh -huh. um, is they have this thing called On Demand. I don't know what you mean. Okay, what you do is you go to the website, theblaze.com slash TV, or you go to your app. This is where I watched the special last night on, okay. on my app on my iPhone. Mm -hmm. uh, and then uh, Your you app. You got an appetizer and you watched it on your appetizer? Is that what you're telling me? That's weird. That's just weird. I don't even know what you're talking about. Is that what you're saying? I don't know. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know what's going okay, on. So you watched it on your app. I watched it on my app. You can watch it whenever you want. It's was it nachos? Was it? But I wish it was nachos. <laughs> Spinach dip. The only thing that could have made the show better is if it were nachos. Uh, well, by the way, where are the nachos? We've been talking oh, about nachos. Come, please, please get some food in here. Uh, all right, triple eight seven two seven back. We got six quotes for you to prove why why sentient AI can be both terrifying and inevitable. Go ahead, you get you. You, you want a full minute and a half here? Full minute uh, and give, a half. Give it a whirl. <laughs> I was trying to stall it's a little longer. Now we got about two and a half. Got two and a half. You got two and a half minutes. Okay, go ahead. Uh, go. From Bill Gates. Okay, here's a guy who should know sentient AI. I'm in the camp that's concerned about superintelligence. First, the machines will do a lot of jobs for us and not be super intelligent. That should be positive if we manage it well a few decades. After that, though, the mm. intelligence is strong enough to be a concern. Oopsies. Oh, boy. Mm -hmm. Then you've got uh, Elon Musk. 
mm -hmm. uh, Tesla guy. Uh, I think we should be very careful about artificial intelligence. I do too. If I had to guess at what our biggest existential threat is, it's probably that. Uh, so we need to be very careful. I'm increasingly inclined to think that there should be some regulatory oversight, maybe at the national and international level, just to make sure we don't do something very foolish. I'm a little skeptical of international regulations of any sort. Yeah, this, I am too. But, uh, yeah, but maybe. But you're, not, you're probably wondering now, well, what Stephen Hawking say about it? That is what I was asking, yeah. He said uh, the development, he didn't say it in this tone because it sounded like a computer when he said it, but... He said the development of full artificial intelligence could spell the end of the human race. That's what he said. That's it? It would, take, no, uh, it would take off on its own and redesign itself at ever-increasing rates. Humans, who are limited by slow biological evolution, couldn't compete and would be superseded. Wow. Wow. Uh, Ray Kurzweil, AI Today, is advancing the diagnosis of disease, finding cures, developing renewable clean energy, helping to find the environment, blah, blah, all these lots, lots of good things. We have the opportunity in the decades ahead to make major strides in addressing grand uh, challenges of humanity. AI will be the pivotal technology in achieving this process. We have a moral imperative to realize this <laughs> promise while controlling the peril. It won't be the first time we've succeeded in doing this. Ray Kurzweil is like, ah, everything's going to be fine. Yeah, we'll, we'll work it out. He's the only one. He's like, everybody else is like, you're going to be really careful here because this has... Uh, a real potential for harm. Stephen Hawking said that it, it could supersede humanity. Yeah. Ray Kurzweil's, ah, well, it's just going to work itself out. We're going to be fine. The people at Google are, like, just not concerned with anything sinister. I mean, if it's up to them, everything goes. Anything and everything goes. And I don't think they even have... A group of people who are doing the ethics on this or the potential for danger studies. Don't be evil. That was their slogan. Yeah, so uh, we should they, be don't, upset. they don't look like it's evil. They don't think it is. It's not. It's don't worry not. about it. Back with Pat and Stu. We got into this really late uh, yesterday. Had to kind of rush through it and, and kind of threw it out. But I want to spend some time because I think this is important. Well, I don't know if it's it important, is. but it's, it's important. Cool. It's important. It is important. A lot of people are, I mean, I, I got thousands of emails and texts yesterday from people all over the world. You don't, look, you don't, you would, certainly, we know the text part of that is a lie because you <laughs> never answer a text. <laughs> I didn't answer him. I just saw him. There's been one text Pat Gray mm -hmm. has answered the entire time that I, we've, I've known you. I've sent you probably 100 texts. You've responded to one. You have not sent me 100 Oh, texts. over the years? Sure, certainly I have. You know, most of the time we're traveling or whatever, mm -hmm. and I'll mm -hmm. send our text. Blah, blah, blah. The only one mm -hmm. he's ever responded to me to was, mm -hmm. hey, there's a Fuddruckers over here by the gate at the airport. That was, <laughs> really? It was about Fuddruckers. <laughs> Is that true? That's well, the only one I've responded to. you love I do. Uh, and I, I do. was like, oh, my God, there's a Fuddruckers. i got to tell Pat. <laughs> and so I wrote, hey, <laughs> there's a Fuddruckers. And you wrote, seriously? I think that's the only response I've ever had. <laughs> no, that's not true. I'm trying to think <laughs> if I had a response. But not much. I, had, I did have a response, I think, to a text only it was in person. So really? does that count? Wait, wait. So he I text him. And then he responded to you in person. Okay, well, that's better than I would say most of us get. 
so that's okay, though. That's a lie. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yesterday we didn't spend enough time really digging down into who really had the best movie career after Saturday Night. Live. I love this stuff. I do too. And I, I, I think everybody does. I watched the entire SNL. 40th anniversary. Yeah, I, three and a half hours. I kind of wish I would have. And had record ratings, by the way. Uh, it was, oh, did it? Was it was a huge show. I mean, it was, as I said the other day, I think it was probably the best cast of any show of all time, outside of maybe like the Oscars or like an award show. And from just a star power standpoint, I mean, they had pretty much everybody uh, from Saturday Night Live and tons of A-list actors yeah. that are either hosted or just hmm. like the show. It'd be interesting uh, to see a list of everybody who's ever done SNL. Yeah, I mean, it would be, it? It'd be, yeah, that'd be a phenomenal list. Now, of course, you've got 40 years of material right. Material you can put three and a half hours that are on that are pretty good. You yeah, um, so. and should they, be able to. And I, I would say you should be able to. Mm. However, they didn't really do three perfect hours. You know what I mean? It was like mm. there was still some down. Hit and miss. Like if you were going to say, because they did these recreations of these bit, bits, where like Dan Aykroyd came out and did the original Basimatic uh, Super Bassomatic 2000 or whatever it was. Did he really? Um, yeah, he did. It's funny. It, in his current state today, did the bit he did in the 70s, mm -hmm. uh, which is a classic bit, where he actually put a f you know the fish in the blender. Part of me was thinking, someone's going to complain from like PETA or something that mm -hmm. they put the fish in the blender, because uh, it was not a live fish, but still. Um, and uh, so anyway, they did that. Like That's a classic one. There was a couple of other. Uh, they did a, a Celebrity Jeopardy with Will uh, Ferrell hosting it. And again, I would say that's on the level of a classic SNL skit, mm -hmm. even though it's a little bit more recent. They did something called The Californians. Uh, has anyone ever seen this? It, I, like, it was an endless bit. And then the entire bit was everyone in the cast was blonde and had a, a California accent. That was it. That was the only joke in the entire 12-minute, it felt like, sketch was that. Wow. And they brought in Bradley Cooper's in the sketch. Um, there's a couple of other big time like celebrities off the cast so that came in. So it was just in. a sketch to bring in some Betty White, some yeah, Taylor Swift, Betty White, wow. all in this one sketch. But wow. there was a, approximately zero minutes of funny in it. It was mm. like occasionally, like an accent was kind of funny, and they'd, they'd say a word in a funny way. It's like this is why is this still going on? Forty <laughs> years of their material, and they pulled out the Californians <laughs> as the sketch they do. It does show you how bad the show can be. Yeah. I mean, yes. if, seriously, if, if the show has been on for 40 years and you can't put three and a half hours together, that's absolutely nonstop hilarious. Yeah. Something's wrong with the show. So I think what you conclude from this is something's wrong with, with the, the show. show. Yes, I think so. <laughs> However, I will say um, I, I fell in love with Saturday Night Live um, really when they ran something on normal TV and it was the SNL 15th anniversary commercials. I remember the special. I could pro watching it now. I probably I watch it so many times because mm. I recorded it. It was just all fake commercials. That's all it was for like an hour. Just the, all their best fake commercials, including like Bassomatic was in there as well. Yeah. Um, and uh, you know um, a lot of stuff from Eddie Murphy and that those early cast years. And it was kind of in that point where SNL was kind of on a. It wasn't doing as great as it once was, and it was you know people. The original cast was gone, and the, even the Eddie Murphys were kind of gone, and so it was in that weird like early '90s sort of area. Mm -hmm. Um, and uh, I remember watching it, just being like, loving that show. And you realize over the years that, like, that is how they that that's how that show is best consumed. If you can take twenty years of material and do a highlight show of the best moments from all the sketches of twenty years, it's a good freaking show. Yeah. I mean, you yeah. watch just the clips; they're great. Like they sh we showed this. We were talking about this on the radio. There was a sketch of Eddie Murphy who decided he was going to dress up as a white guy and go see what it was really like for white people in America. And he found out that people in the shop 
uh, you know, every the shops when there's no no black people around, the white people will just give stuff to each other. They don't even charge each other. It, it's a totally different world. And they showed that clip, and it was funny. And then we watched the full five and a half minute sketch. Not funny. It's not funny at all. There's like not one joke, and they showed the one joke in the clip. And it happens early, and it so about early. four minutes and forty two seconds yeah. are crap. Yeah, it's it's really sad because you think. Uh, Eddie Murphy's brilliant, and I, I've always believed that. And, yeah. yes, he's had some massive failures like the, uh, the Pluto, Pluto Nash, Nash yeah. thing Ooh. and, you know, some other things that were really big missteps. But the guy is funny, and he's a good actor, and I've, I've always liked his comedy sketches. And he was funny on SNL. At least that's how I rem- remember oh, yeah. it. And he was. He was brilliant. It's weird that they show. picked that one segment, though, because it wasn't very funny. I no. mean, you, you know he had some brilliant stuff, like the Stevie Wonder imitation he used to do. Yeah. Can you not do that anymore? I don't know. But it, it, brilliant stuff. Uh, but anyway, they, so they've, they've compiled a list of uh, the people who are most successful after leaving Saturday Night Live. And they went on to movies. And so it would include, you know, obviously Eddie Murphy, Chevy Chase, Billy Crystal. All uh, the big ones. All the, bi- all the big ones. And uh, here's the list of who was the most successful by far. Eddie, Eddie Murphy, Murphy. Mm-hmm. with nine billion dollars in worldwide gross for his for his movies. Yeah, nine. That surprises me. Billion. I was blown away. It's that much. Nine yeah. billion. No, that is global. And and again, I'll give you when I give you the first. Uh, let's see, four of of his lifetime gross, the highest grossing films. You'll yeah. understand how he's getting to some yeah. of these numbers. Okay. Now, I believe this is just domestic, um, but Shrek Two is number one, four hundred forty-one million. Shrek the third is is number two, three hundred twenty-two million. Shrek is number three, two hundred sixty-seven million. Shrek Forever After, mm. I remember that one. Uh, that was two hundred thirty-eight million. So it's cheating a little bit because there's a lot of voice animated. Work you know, it's just voice work. And like at that, look, that is real. I mean, there's a lot to that, but it, it's it's different. Yeah. You know, I don't know. There is something different. Then uh, Beverly Hills Cop, two hundred thirty-four oh, yeah, million. Oh yeah, that series great. Was huge. Beverly Hills Cop two, one hundred fifty-three million. Doctor Doolittle, one forty-four. Nutty Professor, one twenty-eight. Coming to America, classic. Classic. Mm-hmm. McDowell's Restaurant, mm-hmm. still a fan. Uh, one hundred twenty-eight million. Nutty Professor two, The Clumps, one hundred twenty-three. Mulan, 120, another voice. Yep. Dr. Doolittle, 2, 112. Daddy Daycare, 104. Dream Girls, 103, which was very well, as you said, going to his, speaking to his acting, mm-hmm. very critically received, well critically uh, received. Uh, then you've got Norbit. Oh, Norbit made Nin- any money? 95 million. <laughs> wow. <laughs> wow. Trading Places, 90. Okay, oh, that's a, yeah. There's another classic. Trading Places, that was big. Another that 48 Hours, the sequel to 48 right. Hours, okay. made uh, 80. Oh, there's another series. Golden Child, series. 79. There were some moments to the yeah. Golden Child that I liked when I was younger. 48 Hours. 48 Hours is next, 78 million. Tower Heist, 78 million. Haunted Mansion, 75. Boomerang, oh, that was a terrible 70. Movie. Oh, Haunted Mansion? Yeah. Really bad. Terrible. Uh, Boomerang, 70. Bowfinger, 66. Oh, my gosh. Life, 63. Harlem Nights, 60. Eddie Murphy Raw, 50. I mean, like, we're, you know, uh, Adventures of Pluto Nash, four. Four million? Four million. That's a, it, the, it, one of the biggest bombs cost? of all time. Yeah, I'll give you that in a second. Wow. That's probably one of the biggest bombs of all time. Wow, four um, million. Well, budget. put it in today's dollars. It'd it'd probably made five. Put it in today's dollars. It'd be up to, all the way up to five million if you put it in today's <laughs> dollars. It's the same amount. The, uh, <laughs> of, so it, for very <laughs> wide releases, it's the ninth worst <laughs> release of all time. Oh, wow. Um, let's see if I can find a uh, budget here. It's not, it does not look like it's available for 
You would you would not buy you would not believe that going into a right. an Eddie Murphy vehicle you would feel pretty safe that okay this is going to do well yeah, you're going to do forty a little something or yeah something, and then four. it does four yeah. that must have blown some people away so this is this is interesting the uh, worst openings of all time uh, number nine was Adventures of Pluto Nash um, and they, I guess it's over two thousand theaters it opens in mm-hmm. number eight College from two thousand eight never heard of it. Uh, number seven. This is a this is a cop out because it's Spider Man slash Men in Black two. So I guess it was a double feature of some sort. Number six, the real Cancun. Sounds like Don't something Jeffy has a sight on. Mm-hmm. Uh, number five, Major League uh, Back to the Miners, which oh, I think yeah. was not the oh, second one, gosh. but the third no, the one, third right? One. Yeah. yeah, that was just two million dollars. <laughs> uh, P two. Never even heard of that. Don't know That's that. On my side as well. Is it? I don't mm-hmm. want to. I, Okay. <laughs> uh, it was, that was subtly possibly the creepiest line ever spoken on this show. Uh-huh. Thank you, Jeffy. Um, mm-hmm. uh, number three, Saw 10th Anniversary. So, again, like they're just releasing it. Right. That's not a real one. Delgo. Anyone ever heard of Delgo? No. no. Uh, 2008. It was released in 2,160 theaters. How do we not know, at least know gro- about these movies? And grossed $511,000. Wow. That's really Oof. bad. And then... Uh, Ever hear of Oogie Loves in the Big Balloon Adventure? Uh, no. 2012 came out in 2,160 theaters and uh, only brought in $443,000, averaging only $206 per theater. Wow. So for an entire weekend, they sold, what, 20 tickets per theater? Probably that's really that, bad. Yeah. So sorry, I got into another list in the middle of our list. <laughs> all right, that's all right. Uh, uh, so, uh, so, yeah, number one, Eddie Murphy. Number two, Ben Stiller. Uh, so Ben Stiller, was he an actual, like, Cast was he just a writer or was he a I, caster? I think I, he was just a writer. No, um, Robert Downey Jr. was for a short time on there, six point four billion. We kind of debated yesterday: Will Robert Downey pass up Eddie Murphy just eventually? Possible. And he might because he might. if he he's does another event, Avengers, Avengers movie and Iron Man, Iron Man, yeah. Yeah. he's got he's the got, potential. Yes, yeah, he does. Got yeah. some big one. Uh, Mike Myers. I, I don't think it's, we're going to have to worry about his challenging no, Eddie's number. Uh, although, unless they make another twelve Shreks. And you've got Adam Sandler, four point eight billion. At one time, you'd think that Adam might have a shot at being number one with some of that stuff too. Yeah, he's yeah. Calling, yeah, he was, he was off big the for list. a while. Yeah. One thing I'll say about Sandler though is he never he didn't have big uh, international appeal. Like his movies were big US. here, but they weren't big uh, overseas. Right. Chris Rock, three point one billion. How the hell has Chris Rock made three billion dollars in movies? Been, uh, what has he been in? Yeah. Voice work, I bet. He's oh, been in, cartoons. He was also yeah, in the, uh, the uh, Mel Animated. Gibson series, right? For, what was the Here we go, Chris Rock. Else? Biggest grossing, Madagascar 3, 216 oh, million. Sorry, doesn't count. Second count. place, Madagascar, 193 doesn't million. Count. Third place, Madagascar 2, doesn't count. Uh, 180 million. Then yeah. Grown Ups, 162. The Longest Yard, 158. Oh, yeah. Grown Ups 2, which was horrific, 133 million. Uh-huh. Lethal Weapon 4, yeah, he was in, 130 yeah, million. Uh, Down to Earth, 64. New Jack City, 47. Yeah. I mean, he's, his it, are animated. Yeah, it's all animation. Uh, and from elsewhere. Yeah. Most of that 3.1 billion comes from uh, worldwide take, probably. Bill Murray, 3.0. That's 3 billion for that's Eddie huge. Murphy. I mean, Bill, Bill Murray Murray's movies. Yeah. That's good. You know, that's like Groundhog Day. He's got some real classics. Yes, he does. Oh, I mean, and he's, he's made got, some quality. Oh, yeah, he yes, I, he I still have not seen St. Vincent. Did you see St. Vincent? No, I yeah, want no. to. Yeah, I want to see I that, too. To, that too. looks good. Uh, and then uh, you see at the bottom, David Spade. Let's go to the next chart here as we're looking at the best uh, after SNL um, uh, cash-ins, basically, as far as movies. Uh, who's this for? Did we figure out who this was? C.O. Bon Fallon? That's not Jimmy Fallon, is it? Is his real name is C.O. Bon? 
possibly could be. I actually don't know who that is. I don't either. For him to be number one on the like, I, Christopher Guest is not a well-known name, but I know who he is, and and he's a brilliant actor. This is as far as just the quality. This is not box office. So, this is critics' ratings. Yeah. So I mean, you, it's a little bit debatable, I guess, here, because John Belushi obviously made a few movies. He's at seventy-two, but he didn't have a full career, obviously. Yeah. Who is Seal Bond Fallon? Do we know yet? Her. She. I mean, she. she is, oh. That's what I meant. Do we have a, you know her face if you saw her. You, really? You got a picture of that, uh, Jeffy? I mean, other, not on one of your sites, but like one we can show on the air. <laughs> Don't show the whole, all the windows that are open. So yeah. while you look for that, we got uh, Belushi, Christopher Guest. <laughs> Why are there drapes in front of her face? <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, Christopher Guest, who, if you don't know, uh, he did uh, Spinal Tap, uh, uh, Best in Show, Mighty Wind, uh, a lot of great movies. Yeah. Uh, Laurie Metcalf, Charles Rocket, Kristen Wiig, Anthony Michael Hall. Surprised his movies yeah. would, would uh, be good for, with critics. Bill Hader, Bill Murray, Tina Fey, Billy Crystal, Chris Parnell, Robert Downey, and Sarah Silverman. I don't think I can name, uh, I couldn't tell you anything that's, that's Obon Fallon is in. I could do, I, what I did recognize her face when I saw it. Yeah, I'm going to go look at her IMDb right now. Oh, God. Okay. Uh, just don't, don't take a picture of, of Jeffy's computer. She was in Forrest Gump, apparently, but a school bus driver. Right. So, I mean, right. you get credit for the cigarette. Right. You know, I mean, that's great. But uh, let's see. Uh, this is. Uh, do we? Let's see the next chart here. This is the worst reviewed uh, SNL members. Daryl Hammond. Daryl. I actually saw Daryl Hammond do stand up one time, and the guy's very talented. He's doing the announcing now. He do, does a lot of their impressions. He did Clinton and such. Uh, but he was right. not good. I, I don't know it. if he was just phoning it in that night, but he was not funny at all. Uh, uh, Rob Schneider, 20 Schneider never met a bad role that he didn't love. Yeah, he'll just do it. He'll do whatever. Uh, what has he been in that... I guess he's always in Adam Sandler yep. movies. Yeah, so that right? hurts you. Uh, so... <laughs> Uh, but yeah, he, he did stuff like uh, uh, Male Gigolo. What was it? Um, Deuce Bigelow, Male Gigolo. That yeah. was him. Oh, jeez. Um, I believe they may have made oh, a gosh. sequel to that one, too. Uh, Rob Schneider, Chris Kattan, he did the movie where him and Will Ferrell moved their heads, which was the entire plot. They yeah. moved their heads? Yes, did the beat of a song. Okay. Anyone remember? Title? Night of the Roxbury. Thank you. Night of the Roxbury. Yes, that's it. And a guest sire, Tim Meadows, who did uh, Ladies Man. Uh, Joe Piscopo. He was, by the way, Piscopo. Joe Piscopo. Piscopo was on the show. Uh, he uh, came back he and did Sinatra. Yeah. Uh, and he's thought his Sinatra was still pretty I like Joe Piscopo. Yeah, I don't know. He's one of those guys that got beat up for a long time. And yeah, he did. Now I just kind of feel like, you know, you feel a definitive. Is he still in good shape? Because he was pretty buffed for a while. Yeah, I don't know. I, I, I couldn't. He was in the Sinatra suit. I didn't notice. Yeah. Um, right. Chris Farley is the, the one that's kind of notable in here, and that he, people think of him as, the, you know, one of the greatest comedic, you know, uh, personalities of all time, really. Mm -hmm. uh, and here he is at only thirty-five percent of his movies, and a lot of times he just took, sh you know, silly movies. But like yeah. Tommy Boy and stuff never did well with critics, but those are still classics. Yeah, uh, they were big. Yeah. I legitimately, though, if we can go, let's go back to the original uh, oh. with the box office take, because sure. I, I, if you were to discount animation. And just yeah. say, okay, the voice the voice roles don't count. I don't. Eddie Murphy's not number one. I, I would think probably not. You know, it might be Robert Downey. I mean, Ben Stiller too is like that's an asterisk. Yeah. He wasn't, yeah. And Robert Downey Jr. wasn't a main character. No, those movies. he wasn't. He it wasn't. might still be Eddie Murphy, yeah. honestly, because those next three guys are, or the next two guys at least have real. Sandler has well. a real movie career, though. Myers you know? did too, honestly. I mean, he and had a so couple of big series. Yeah, uh, but you know, Sandler had a bunch of big movies. Bill Murray, Bill Murray had a is, yeah. bunch of big movies. I mean, those are the guys who really. 
I, I don't know. It'd be interesting to take out the animation and yeah. see see what it looks like. Can there. we do the last this last chart? I think this is kind of interesting because yeah. this is if you're if you're uh, the lead of a movie, what's the best Rotten Tomato score? And Christopher Guest wins that by a pretty wide margin. I mean, at seventy seven percent. His movies are really well done, and, and critics like, like them. What's a Christopher Guest movie? I guess so, this is Spinal Tap, Best oh, in Show, okay. A Mighty Wind. Yeah, um, yeah. Waiting for Guffman. Never is one seen of them. any of those. They're all, you'd like them. They're I fake documentaries. Them. They're oh, like okay. a mockumentary was his category. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it, it, really funny at times. I mean, I, A Mighty Wind is a movie. I freaking love that movie. It's a fake folk band. Mm-hmm. Uh, multiple fake folk bands, and uh, they're like basically battle of the bands. <laughs> it's just the story of these kind of pathetic characters. But they did, they're really talented musicians, so the songs are really catchy. But you, when you really listen to them closely, you realize they're horrible. It's, <laughs> it's just really well done. Uh, but, I mean, you look at the, this list, uh, Christi, Kristen Wiig, uh, who did, um, uh, she did, uh, what was it, Bridesmaids? It was, I guess, her big one. Uh, Maya Rudolph was in that as well, I think. Uh, Bill Murray has done a lot of quality stuff. Dan mm-hmm. Aykroyd is as high as Bill Murray kind of surprises me. Yeah. Um, and then uh, you go down, uh, Will Ferrell is on there, Tina Fey. Yeah. There you go. Yeah, okay. So, all right. All right. Triple eight seven twenty seven back is the phone number. All right. Who's ready for some harp now? Oh, when you hear harp, you just may barf. That should be our new slogan. When you yep. hear Marie Harf, you just might barf. Do we have to say Marie or just... No, it's probably, it's probably better if you don't say Marie. When you hear Harf, you just might barf. <laughs> I, I saw someone tweeting today, I saw someone from National <laughs> Review, maybe Jim Garrity, was tweeting like, hey, you know, I think our criticism of uh, Harf and Saki would be better if, we, you know, if conservatives weren't making fun of their appearance or something. <laughs> we never, I guess, we I, never well, have. First of all, they, he was not accusing us by any means, but I, I guess some people on Twitter were making fun. I saw someone post up a side-by-side of Marie Harf and uh, Dana Carvey from Wayne's World that. next to each other. I saw that. And apparently that was a big hit on the Internet. And, you know, it kind of made me laugh, admittedly. Yeah, it's uh, funny. Yeah, right. She's but not... I, she, look, she's got this librarian thing going on. Yeah, I will say, actually... She's this, actually attractive. I will say the the best part of both of them is yeah. their appearance. Yeah, yeah I, I think so, like, too. I, I think Jen Saki's I mean, not a bad... She's not bad no, looking either. they're not. And, they're, you know, they're not super hot. But, but they're, no, they're, they're attractive. For government officials, they're actually they're pretty good-looking. Yes. I, I don't know why... Some of the best-looking people in the administration. Yeah, I what are you talking about? about? I don't know why you just criticize. They're idiots. Yeah, they really... They really oh my gosh, they're idiots. They're supplying a lot of material right now. Uh, this really is uh, Marie Harf uh, talking on uh, with Wolf Blitzer, because this is... Uh, you know, this she had this incident where she kind of mentioned that you can't kill ISIS members to win. Yeah. You really have to get them jobs. And <laughs> have to get them jobs! And then that, she's condescending about it yes. afterwards. Now, is that an unfair, uh, you know, uh, sort of boil down of her point? Yes, but I mean, that is well, essentially that it what is. She, she, it she, is what she said. It's not just essentially. It is what <laughs> she said. <laughs> it is what she said. You can't kill your way out of ISIS, essentially. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so here she is on uh, uh, CNN with Wolf Blitzer uh, talking about uh, her last week or so. The State Department doesn't refer to Islamic extremism. Is that right? Well, we've talked about uh, terrorists who commit acts of violence in a you know, right. perverted, warped vision of, of what they think Islam is, but we don't right. want to give them religious credibility. That's what they're looking for, and we don't want to give that to them because we don't think they have it. So, you, yes, so you're not do. using the phrase <laughs> Islamic terrorism? Can we stop it for Islamic a second? Extre- mm-hmm. Just stop it for a second. She's got what she has going on here. 
is like an 80s movie vibe where she's the nerdy girl at the beginning and nobody yeah. wants to date. Right, you don't have a yeah. thing to do with her. But she takes off those glasses and yeah. does a little something with her hair. And all oh, of a sudden, she's great. All I, of a sudden, she's the most popular girl in school. There's a lot of negative <laughs> things to say about both of them. <laughs> but not it's that. not about their appearance. They're great. No. Uh, yeah. they, they she's fine. I, don't, I will say this. I will just say this about her. I, despite the fact that, that both of them, I think, are decent-looking women, uh, and I know they don't care, and I'm not a decent-looking man, so I'm, I'm, not, uh, you know, mm. I'm not the one to judge here. However, I don't understand why they're using them as spokesmen. They're they're obviously terrible <laughs> they're at bad. their jobs. They're, they don't they don't they're know how to are. talk. And like, look, it's 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 a difficult job. You're trying to justify policies that are absolutely indefensible in most cases. So it's mm -hmm. not easy to go on these shows and try to talk your way out of it. But you have to have a little bit. You have to have an ability to be a little bit more evasive. And she, she, both of them seem to just stick their foot in their mouths all the time. Exactly. There has to be an intelligence factor there to where you can sort of get out of a jam that these uh, reporters. Uh, and the correspondents put you in. And neither one of them have the ability to do that. Yeah, they just don't have it's that. It's a specialized job, and it's not easy. Especially yeah. when you're, I mean, again, like, I know we talk about the Obama administration in a negative light often. Uh, however, you're trying to do this for a bunch of people who are doing terrible things to the country. Trying yeah. to defend those policies, while it's not a job that I think anyone should take, is a very difficult one if you have it. This is not a. Th th we, we mock these people for making these mistakes, but they're, what they're trying to do is impossible. Yeah. They're trying to say that not saying Islamic extremism is a legitimate position. It's not a legitimate position. And, and when you're trying to struggle your way out of this, you need a, a very specific, uh, you know, uh, taken type of, uh, you know, you need a set of skills. Yeah. Uh, which they do not seem to, to, to possess. Right. Unfortunately. All right, let's see the rest of this fabulous interview referred to Islamic extremism. Is that right? Well, we've talked about uh, terrorists who commit acts of violence in a you know, perverted, warped vision of, of what they think Islam is, but we don't want to give them religious credibility. That's what they're looking for, and we don't want to give that to them because we don't think they have it. So, you, so you're not using the phrase Islamic terrorism or Islamic extremism or violence or anything along... You, 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 want to, you don't want to use the word Islam at all, right? No. The secretary, when he's talked about this, again, has said people commit acts of terrorism with a warped vision of Islam. The president has said the same thing. Uh, so it, I actually agree with the attorney general here. We can talk about what words we used, what we're focused on, on what actions we should be taking. That's what this week's... But these are these extremists, these terrorists, ISIS or mm -hmm. al-Qaeda. They are Muslims. They're an extreme, tiny element of a billion-plus Muslims out there, but they are all Muslims. Well, many of them are. There are other groups around <laughs> the world many that are not that are... commit violent acts of extremism or terrorism. <laughs> uh, so, again, uh, we're going to call them terrorists. We've been very clear about that. And I would remind you have not even been clear about that until now. We've many taken of them more are. terrorists right, off the it. battlefield we than got any it other president in history. I can't even stand to listen to her. Many of them are... But there are other groups who do violent things, too. Who? Are, what, are, we're, we're, are, am I on a show talking about a topic? No, why, are, who else are you, why are you bringing up other groups? Right. We're, are we talking about these groups and this group in particular that well, we're at war with there right are, now? There are other groups like AQAP, Al-Qaeda Arab Peninsula. You're not bringing them up. Yeah, they're, they're a Muslim, too. They're Muslim, too. All right, yeah. So, one exa Boko Haram. Yeah, they're, they're, they're Muslim, too. They're another group they're that does another that a Muslim, lot of... Another uh, Muslim group, too. So, uh, what, what group are you talking about? The Taliban, Yeah, they're, they're Muslims. They're, uh, Muslims, Islam. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, what other groups are you talking about, uh, uh, Ms. Harf? Uh, That's unreal. Can I get back to you on that?
I wish she yeah, would. She's just having a tough time with it. Uh, she also was going uh, now actually responding to the criticisms of her previous interviews and seeing, trying to find a pathway out of it. I want to give you a chance to respond to some of the critics who have been out there. <laughs> when you said to. it's important I'm to find these to guys' right. jobs so they don't become terrorists, explain what you meant. Where there are places around the world where there's a lack of governance, a lack of economic opportunity, President George W. Bush talked about poverty being one of the drivers that leads people to extremism. Where there are uh, lacking in, in these kinds of opportunities, uh, we need to talk about how to make that different, how to help our partners around the world give young men in that vulnerable age group a different path in life, show them that there's a different chance for them than joining a terrorist organization. Amen. Again, it's one mm -hmm. part of it, Wolf, but this is a really uh, comprehensive comprehensive way of looking at how you combat extremism, and it's not one uh, that fits into a soundbite sometimes, as, as I've seen over the last 24 hours, but it's a really important piece of it. She's the worst. Oh, my gosh. That's bad. She's not good at this this job. She's really probably bad. good at something. Really, She's really probably bad. good at some role in the State Department. I don't know. She might make a great librarian she or may. the star of an 80s movie. I don't know. I, we don't know. She's but not good at this, so I'll tell you that. Not be the thing. Should we play she the, initial, the initial comments in case you missed them? This, sure. is, uh, this is her talking about we can't kill our way out of this problem. Nothing we do right now seems to be directed at stopping this. Well, I think there's a few yeah. stages here. Right now what we're doing is trying to take their, their leaders and their fighters off the battlefield in Iraq and in Syria. That's really where they flourish. Are we killing enough of them? We're killing a lot of them. And oh, we're going to no. keep killing more of them. So are the Egyptians, so are the Jordanians. <laughs> They're in this fight with us. But we cannot win this war by killing them. We cannot kill our way out of this war. We need huh. in the longer term, medium and longer term, to go after the root causes that leads people to join these groups, whether mm. it's lack of opportunity for jobs. We're not going to be able to stop that in our lifetime. 50 lifetimes. There's always going to be poor people. There's always going to be poor Muslims. And as long as there are poor Muslims, the trumpet's blowing. They'll join. We can't stop that. Can we? we can work with countries around the world to help improve their governance. We can help them build their economy so they can have job opportunities for these people. The American people, I think, are getting humiliated morally by this. We are seeing these pictures. What are you supposed to say? Oh, I'm going to think about something else? What are we doing to stop this? It sounds like we can't stop it. Well, I think they should know that the United States military is taking direct action in Iraq and in Syria. We're taking their leaders out. Mm. We're taking out their financing. We're taking out their training camps. This is a long fight, Chris. We're also taking out advertisements for jobs. <laughs> we're, we're trying to advertise some jobs for these terrorists and make sure that they can be employed now and, and we can just get them jobs. And we can just get them opportunities for jobs. So we're taking out some ads in the want ads in that section of opportunities for jobs for terrorists. So we'll be going on Craigslist every day. For jobs. For jobs. For jobs. And we'll, we, I think if we could get on Craigslist or Monster.com, I think we can solve this whole ISIS thing. <laughs> That's unbelievable. Yeah. I love that she cites Bush because this is a guy they've, they've demonized yep. the whole time. They blamed everything that's wrong with the world is George W. Bush's fault. Now all of a sudden... They cite him as a reason for doing this. Uh, uh, this we're friends with terrorists thing. Now they, they have to, we have to give them opportunities for jobs. And they, what Bush actually said was, uh, "Poor people aren't. Uh, they're not necessarily killers. In other words, uh, uh, just because you're poor, not because you're not rich. Just because you're not rich, <laughs> doesn't mean you're going to kill. Right. <laughs> That's what I was going to say. That's, That's actually the opposite said. point. It's the opposite point. Yeah. yeah. He, I mean, I think he said something along the lines that, you know, 
their circumstances or whatever. But then he kind of talked his way out of it with that line. And that's where that came from. The poor people aren't necessarily killers. <laughs> not necessarily. I mean, not most of them are. Might be. Most of them yeah, are. Most of them I think are, we all understand that. Not all. They don't have to be killers. All killers are poor, but not all, all poor, poor are, are killers. killers. <laughs> I think that's what we're trying to say. <laughs> more, more pants, too, is... Uh, uh, next. Oh, that was good. Coming up. Come, yes, it, it, it is coming it's up. on the way. Uh, yes, coming up. Around the time. Not here now, but it will be in a few minutes. That's what I'm trying to say. Not necessarily going to happen this second, but it might. Watch it. I would do, I mean, well, maybe he worked there. Yeah, maybe. Yeah. Uh, we were talking about this guy in China who <laughs> I had an interesting little scheme here. <laughs> kind of a novel idea, actually. Yeah. Mental Floss writes it up like this. One man in China figured out the perfect and harmless scheme to score a free lunch mm. day after day. I don't know if it's harmless to the restaurants who kept having to feed this guy every day. <laughs> uh, so I don't know if harmless is the right word. But I, do, I don't think it's stealing either. He did it within the rules. Basically, uh, he bought a first-class, fully refundable ticket aboard Eastern China Airlines, uh, and that comes with a VIP lounge uh, where in, uh, flyers can enjoy a free meal. So what he would do is he bought the ticket, enjoyed the free meal, and instead of taking the flight, rebooked the flight for the next day and just kept mm -hmm. doing this day after day after day because it was fully refundable. He did it 300 days in a row and got a free meal out of it. Wow. Uh, when they finally confronted him, they realized there's nothing they can do about it. He's doing it within the rules. However, he just decided to give up probably because of what you were saying, Pat, and just was sick of, of yeah. rescheduling it over and over again, yeah. and then just got a refund. So he got all those meals completely free. He never actually paid for the ticket because he never needed a flight. He just got a refund from the ticket completely. So uh, it's, a good little, it's, a good, it's a good idea. If you, okay, if the guy doesn't work at the airport every day, what a hassle that would be yeah. to go out there yeah. every single day, park, find your place. I, I, I don't know if they're going through what we are at the airport, but... Uh, Maybe it's a small airport. Go through all that hassle yeah. just for lunch? Yeah. Get a life. Jeffy, man. you've done a lot more than that for lunch, right? <laughs> oh, my gosh. Yes. Yeah. 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 Oh, my gosh. Yeah. Even yeah. for second lunch or third lunch mm -hmm. or, or double brunch or... Uh, Still kind of considered at lunch. Okay. Yeah, okay. That's all lunch. Okay. That's all uh, in the same. Or dunch, which is dinner and, and lunch combined. Yep. Uh, which is about the word dunch. Lunner. Well, there's lunner. Lunner. Mm -hmm. You like that? Good. You like lunner better than dunch? Whatever. Yes. Okay. <laughs> yes, I do. Uh, right. By the way, uh, speaking of us eating, uh, which is eh, you might have noticed we've done it occasionally on the show. <laughs> we are going to take. Uh, the, we got the uh, powdered uh, cheese that we've made out of Harvest Right. Um, cheese, freeze dried, freeze dried cheese. Mm -hmm. um, because Michelle Obama said, "Hey, you can't, you can't eat that that uh, cheese dust. It's not food." Uh, you know, it's her again telling us what to do. So we we're going to do the exact opposite. We're going to make our own cheese dust out of absolutely food, just mm. cheddar cheese, uh, and then we're going to put it in the mac and cheese and make mac and cheese for. We're going to prove her to be once again a liar, mm -hmm. and that's what she is. is. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Uh, by the way, I got, we, we got to talk about this story because this is unbelievable. It's, it's another sort of science story. It's, it's, about, it's about Michelle Obama, too. It's about Michelle Obama, too. Michelle Obama told us a while ago, you got to drink more water, drink more water. Now they're coming out again. First of all, they said, well, drinking more water, really, there's no scientific evidence that that does anything for you. It mm. does nothing. No. 
does no. There's no. There's never been a study that says you should have eight glasses of water. No, everybody a day. They don't even know where that advice came from. Everybody's always assumed that was based on some scientific study, yeah, right? I always assumed, okay, because it, you know, I don't know. Your body's already, what, 75, 80% water or something. So I thought it just, you know, refreshed your natural water system. <laughs> right. It's, it's like one of those things you. that feels like it's ripe, but yeah, it, does. It, it doesn't seem or like it Or it flushes is. out your system yeah. or whatever. Uh, the other one is, and no. maybe there's something to it keeping you a little bit more full. I think there's something maybe to that. But that has nothing to do with whether it makes you healthier or not. You do go to the bathroom more. Maybe yeah. that makes right. It just feels like it's right. easier because it, you don't retain Flushing water as much. Out. Yeah, I don't know. But, but we've acted as if it was indifferent. Eh, it's no big deal if you have a couple of liters of water. It's either it's neither good nor bad. Not even true now. And they they keep telling us, okay, two liters a day, or six to eight glasses of water mm -hmm. a day, uh, boost concentration, give better complexion, more energy, keep headaches at bay. Help detox, like we said, flush out your system and curb your appetite. Well, now they're saying uh, doctors are advising now that drinking too much water can actually be life-threatening. Well, too much water. And we know it actually has killed people. Yeah, they did that. Uh, the, uh, um, who was it? That, was it, it was a Sacramento? No, no, no. It was a no? Sacramento, oh, it was Sacramento a radio station who did right. a, 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 you know, drink as much water as you can without going to the bathroom bit. Who and someone guess. kept doing it and died. Look, I can never, you can't blame them for that. No. I, I mean, I think they did get sued for it. Um, but it's like, you know, how do you know? You could have too much of this stuff? Yeah. You should keep drinking. Yeah, you it. should keep trying. Keep I, I don't down. believe it. Oh, okay. I don't you believe know what? it. Jeff. I don't believe you this study. Keep drinking. You should keep drink drinking. like 12 <laughs> gallons today. That? I mean, Just to prove them wrong. Yeah. You Just know, to prove them I wrong. I have a better idea. You should go under the water for hours to show that you can't. You can. You can never stop drinking too much water. That'll show them. Yeah, just, yeah we'll put some chains around your legs. And the Personally, I think I'm addicted. Mm. Yeah, oh, no. well, are you an aquaholic? You're an aquaholic oh, now. No. Oh no, that is actually the term they're using. Aquaholic, uh, lured by the promises of better skin, <laughs> detox body, more energy, but soon feel that they can't manage without regular sips of water. Uh, and they actually, this is a real thing. Uh, supposedly now, until they change it next week. Drinking large amounts of water, particularly at the end of the day, can disrupt sleep. That one I will say is true because, mm -hmm. uh, yeah, last night I was a little thirsty before bed and just mm -hmm. pounded a big bottle of water about 4 a.m. Uh, <laughs> you're waking up and you're going to the bathroom. Yeah. Uh, like, that's not, that doesn't help anybody. I, th I think it's worse than that, too. I think there's other problems that arise. Mm -hmm. um, the kidney problems. Yeah, kidney problems. Mm -hmm. It slows down your kidney function and it causes sweat gland problems. And uh, they said. Mm -hmm. That it can be hmm. so bad that it can become life-threatening. Uh, I'm a little worried sweat. right now. That, uh, what do you think, Jeff? He's drinking water. He's got a lot of sweat. Yeah. Uh, I can't my imagine mother, he could sleep at night. My mother used to say he's just sweat in the crib, so I don't think it has anything to do with water. <laughs> you sweat in the crib? Yeah, he used to sweat in the crib as a little baby. So I don't think... <laughs> he didn't. I don't yeah, surprise did anybody. Not. They did not make a crib big enough for you. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, it was a bed with a fence around it. I can actually see that. Yeah, so you did. You did sweat in bed. Yes, I don't think that had to do with water. All right. I think you're probably right. Can we take a break so we can get some mac and cheese? Yes, that'd be nice. All right, 888-727-BECK is the phone number. We eat mac and cheese, and we prove Michelle Obama wrong again. Cheese dust is food. Liar! 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 Uh, uh, spoons. <laughs>
to the Thank you, segment. Jeffy, for the voice work there. Uh, <laughs> Jeffy's supplying the voice work, and the only word he can say is spoons. That's why we name our eating segments uh, called spoons. spoons. Yeah, bring it over. Um, so we, uh, mm. uh, Michelle Obama said, uh, powdered cheese is not food, so you can't have mac and cheese. So we actually have the freeze dryer on premises. So we decided to freeze dry um, a little bit of the, uh, of the uh, actual just cheddar cheese, shredded cheddar, and right. make it into powdered um, cheese. Okay. And uh, and this is actually the final product, but it was uh, you know made with uh, you know, a little bit more complicated than what I'm doing here, but actually making mac and cheese out of the shredded uh, cheese, freeze dried and then rehydrated, back to life, and mm -hmm. you mix it up and it actually starts turning into after a while actual cheese, an actual cheese. And you see here the sort of final product here looks a lot more impressive. Uh, than uh, than what I'm doing, but I mean from an from a perspective of like actually turning it into something real, yeah, it's uh, pretty pretty freaking cool. Um, so let's try this because this uh, I'm excited to try. It smells it smells great. And Jeffy, uh, we don't have enough for you, unfortunately. Because look, um, at, there's only this much. Yeah. See if you so, see there's a gosh, line darn, of demarcation. Dang, darn, here. dang, darn it! Um, look at that. I mean, ah, dang it. Uh, really, really wanted to have uh, enough, but. Dang! Oh, darn man. it! You know what? Dang! Darn it! Darn it we don't have enough. Mmm. Well, too bad because it's really good. Mmm. Oh yeah. <laughs> that good? That's really good. It's pretty darn good. Mmm. Smells amazing. This is uh, <laughs> mac and cheese with freeze-dried cheese. And proving, I think once and for all, Jeffy, that uh, fruit. Uh, Cheese dust is actual food. Cheese dust is food. Why don't you give us a couple minutes on uh, different oh. dust products you've sold over the years? Different dust products? Yeah, powders. <laughs> well. <laughs> well. All of them? <laughs> mm -hmm. There's no limitation. Um, oh, so the noodles were not freeze-dried. Obviously, we didn't bring those back to life, right? Or no, did yeah. we? Well, no, I mean. Did we freeze-dry them? I mean, it's kind of what pasta is, right? Yeah, kind of. Kind of. You have to put water in, and it makes oh, you know nice and moist and and yummy. Um, Jeffy, we got you. We, we, you can have this. <laughs> Just, uh, got you some water. You, are you going out of your way for me? Don't do that. <laughs> well, I want to mix up Don't your meal here. Uh, there you go. Don't go out of that. Oh, that's going to be really good. Yeah, it almost so, looks so. like too much water. Really. Seriously, you can have that. I thought you said there wasn't enough. Well, there is enough cheese. Yep. You can have some. Uh, Thank you, some, cheese. Uh, cheese sauce. Now, what I did is I put some, some put some cold water in there. That's gonna be good. And, uh, That's some good eating. I thought you said there wasn't enough. You're a lucky man, Tabby. Mm -hmm. Have some. How is it? <laughs> <laughs> he actually does it every time. Every time. It's not bad. Is it good? Yeah. <laughs> a little crunchy a little crunchy. water. So essentially, you had it's cheese water. Like cereal, like cheese cereal. Yeah. I like how you think that's a real thing. Like like cheese like cereal. <laughs> cheese cereal. You know, everyone's had cheese cereal. This is good, Matthew. Nice job. Yeah, Matthew, by the way, putting it yeah. together. Thank you, Matthew. Thanks, Matthew. I appreciate it. This was, this was good. Man. Should I have added more spice Boy. to his cheese water? <laughs> that, was, that was perfect. Actually, right seriously, now. do you want some? Yeah, you try I some. do not want your pity macaroni No, come, come have not. some because it's hot. It's delicious. It's delicious. You, you really have to try it. Yeah. I do mean, have uh, freeze-dried cheese. That's amazing. Do you have enough for the for everybody here? Um, I mean, after yeah, I did like, everybody. I did like Matthew. I, I brought enough for the staff. Yeah, right. Mm. No, this is amazing. Holy crap! This is barely enough for us. 
Yeah, no kidding. Mm -hmm. I mean, there's no way we can spare any for anybody else, right? I mean, that's there's too little here. Mm. No, it's not, not, nothing for the control room. Uh, nothing no. for anybody, actually, uh, other mm -hmm. than us. Well, actually, once we're done with our three or four portions, we'll let you guys know. No, you guys can have whatever's left. Mm. And there may be like zero. This. That might be <laughs> left. the one. <laughs> so tonight, so get some mac and cheese from free, freeze-dried cheese and then watch for the record. Yeah. Big special. And again, mm. it's an amazing thing because it used to be that your home storage, your food storage for, you know, like it was, it's always been recommended we'd have a year's worth. Mm -hmm. uh, it used to be oats, beans. Barley? Barley. <laughs> yeah, flour. And, and so when you uh, needed to use it, and, and you did because you rotated it to keep the stuff, you know, from getting super old. Mm. Um, now not the case. Now it's not the case. You just have good food all the time. And you can have great food that's already been prepared, and you just you just bring it back to life like that's this. That's the thing. It's just amazing. When you have a 50-pound bag of oats down in the basement, yeah. it's like, what do you do? You just on. rather die. There's nothing worse. And <laughs> you bring up that bag of oats, and you're like, what am I going to do with this? <laughs> I don't even know what to freaking do with this. <laughs> my, my wife barely knew what to do with it. She's a darn good cook. But here's a big right. thing of oats, honey. Here you Let's go. have dinner. No, that doesn't. No. <laughs> the other thing is, bull weevils get into it. Right. <laughs> weevils. Oh yeah, those bull weevil problem. Ugh, it's nasty. By the way, bull weevils is going to get a lot worse with global warming. Okay. Good thing about that, though, Thank is you. that when mm -hmm. you boil, mm -hmm. they come to the top and you scrape them right off. You <laughs> Do we have time for the uh, global warming bit? Okay, let's get to it. Uh, ten things you may have missed that have been blamed on global warming. Watch. Wonderful world of Stu presents ten more things that were actually blamed on global warming. This has been 10 more things that were actually blamed on global warming from the wonderful world of Stu.